Hello, welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, May 30th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Sore, but good. I did my first round of sprint training this afternoon, which was very different compared to what I'm used to in working out, but it was enjoyable. Nice. I remember we did one session last summer, and I, I don't think you were necessarily prepared for that. Yeah, I think the torn hamstrung that uh, was bugging me for the next two weeks was a pretty good indicator of that. Yeah, went smoother this, this time. This was a lot more uh, controlled. Okay. In terms of like, okay, we're gonna do the warm up. Okay, we're gonna do like ten meters, and after like every ten meters, essentially sixty seconds of rest. So like, do it five reps of ten meter with like sixty second rest then like four reps of 20 meters with like two minutes of rest between each one. So nothing torn and like maximum output in the workout. So high intensity, it was very interesting. I've never really worked out like that before. Interesting. Well, it's, it's really good for you. Most uh, research coming out now saying that it's better for you than going for a, a moderate intensity run. So um, quicker yeah. and, and better for you cardiovascularly and that testosterone uh unleash i think is the best or optimized through that yeah yeah i guess so it, it definitely you do feel good after an output like that where you give it everything well i'm glad that uh you had a good weekend the weather certainly has been nice and uh really nice today i got out shot some hoops played some tennis, uh, hit a baseball around. It was, it was a action packed Sunday for me. And, um, I'm just ready to (laughs) sit down, talk sports, and then maybe watch a bit before I go to bed tonight, just to chill out, slump into the couch. And, um, yeah, we'll take this next bit to break down the wide world of sports over this past weekend. Uh, we've got basketball, hockey, uh, baseball, football, and by football, I mean soccer, uh, and then a little bit of tennis at the end. Um, some great sports action this weekend, especially, obviously, there's the Indy 500 that ran today, but I don't know, some people don't necessarily consider that one a sport. <laughs> we we certainly don't watch it. Um, but we'll kick off with basketball, because I think that is the most prevalent uh, and the thing that's on right now as we speak. The Nets and the Celtics are underway, but I wanted to take this first segment to kick off with the Lakers and the Suns because the story that is dominant for me personally today is that Anthony Davis goes down with another injury, and uh, that has huge implications for the entire Western Conference and what that will look like moving forward, depending on what the result of uh, his diagnosis is. he looked okay right away. Uh, went for a layup, landed, looked like he pulled his groin and, uh, got up right away and was walking around, but looked to be in some pain. And the thing with those groin strains is that you can't really do anything to quickly heal it. You just have to give it time. It's like hamstring, as you know, Uh, and then the quadriceps as well. Those big muscles don't just heal quickly like an ankle injury. 
maybe like a little bit of a knee sprain, which you could get iced and, and treated and you're back good to go. The muscle ones are tougher. And so we'll see what happens. And because of that, the Lakers really, really struggled on offense, only scored 92 points today, lose to the Phoenix Suns in game four. So the series is evened up heading back to Phoenix and all that, the all the momentum that Los Angeles had created has now seemingly gone out the window. And now they're looking at a really dangerous situation here in a best of three with a Suns team that is growing more confidence through every game and, and every battle that they win here helps them because a lot of these guys don't have that playoff experience. And if they can elongate this series, then they're just getting more and more reps against this Lakers team who, yeah, has really struggled to create offense. And, and Anthony Davis took over games two and three, and that's a big part of why they won. And without him, uh, they're really going to struggle. Yeah, and the injury gods take with one hand and give with the other as Anthony Davis exited. Chris Paul seemed to return to 100%. I'd say that was probably his best game, certainly compared to the last two. And that was huge for the Suns throughout, especially in that second half. And I also find it funny. I know you've talked about uh, the Lakers having that bigs advantage with like Gasol, Harold, Drummond, all these guys they can throw in there. But without Davis to manage Aiton, it seems like he sort of takes over the paint and Gasol still brings a lot, especially on the perimeter, like the passing and three-point shooting. But without Davis in there to sort of take some of Aiton's attention, it almost, it seems like he kind of swings it at least back to 50-50. Yeah, and, and I think the advantage that the Lakers had was they were able to run size at a multitude of positions when they have a center, where it's Anthony Davis does not want to be bothered bothered with whatever 38 minutes of banging and crashing with DeAndre Aiden, who has been unbelievable in this series. Like, just overall, he's been really, really great, sticking just sticking to his strengths and doing the role that is required. I don't know if I've seen him take a jump shot, which is what he really wanted to do. And Chris Paul has come in and really helped him find his role. Hard roles, crashing the glass on both ends, protecting the rim, just looking for little dumps off. He doesn't shoot anything outside of five feet away from the rim. He's been great. And the Lakers, the advantage that they would have is you have Anthony Davis, this essentially seven-footer at the four, and of course LeBron James at the three. And so when that happens, they can get a lot of rebounds because – Anthony Davis so much taller and bigger than a Jay Crowder or Cam Johnson. But when obviously Anthony Davis at the five is their best lineup. And we've seen that when they've gone to that in the fourth quarter, when they try to put these games away, it's been really, really effective. Uh, but he just can't play at the five for an extended period of time because Aiton is a lot to deal with, with his size and strength. He is a big boy and um, the Lakers now, are going to have to lean on that center rotation just a little bit more, which is not the best thing because although they have a multitude of weapons there, I don't know if each of them are the answer to defending uh, Devin Booker, Aiden, and the Chris Paul dynamic pick and roll that they run because Paul starting to feel it. You saw he's still hesitant to take the threes, but that mid-range game was really clicking for him in the third quarter. Yeah. I love the combo of Aiden and Paul. It feels like they're just each like such specialists at their position. And 
from one to five. That's such a nice uh, complement to each other. And they just do the roles that those positions are expected in like a very classic traditional sense, but so well. It's awesome basketball to watch. Definitely. Okay, we will talk about, uh, let's go with the other games this weekend. Um, I'm going to pair together the Knicks, Hawks, and the Bucks, Heat. Um, the Hawks taking a commanding 3-1 series lead over the New York Knicks. Just absolutely lit it up from the field today. Uh, I think they're up by 20 in, in early fourth quarter. Just rode it out to victory and and the home crowd really seemed to help them. And it was it is going the way that I kind of saw it when I gave the preview. And it was an unpopular opinion that the Hawks would have a great shot in the series, everyone picking the Knicks. But I just see that the shooting and the shot creation is just at such a higher level for Atlanta, even if they can't defend at the same level as the Knicks maybe can. In the end, between these two relatively inexperienced teams, I think, I thought that the talent was going to win out. And so far that's been the case, Julius Randall. Uh, and I wanted to group the heat and bucks in with this because Julius Randall, along with Bam Adebayo are now uh, fans are now experiencing what Toronto fans have had to experience with Pascal Siakam in last year's playoffs. And I'm just hoping that they're keeping the same energy with those two that they were giving to Siakam because they gave him grief. And now they're understanding with their own young stars, when you become the focal point of a playoff team and defenses start figuring you out, it's you're in for a rough ride. And Bam Adebayo has been what, well, has been, but also was invisible because that series is now over. Milwaukee just like flicked them aside. Like it was nothing. It was truly uh, dismantling and, uh, pure domination by the Bucks, And then Julius Randle has been shooting horrifically. He had 23 today, but it was in a blowout loss. Um, he's been absolutely brutal. I think he's shooting under 30% from the field for the series. And it's just when you become the, the guy and you're expected to be the guy and have had such a great regular season, Siakam, of course, second team All-NBA two, two seasons ago. And then... Once it comes playoff time, just everything changes. And, and Randall has now faced that. And Nixon Heat fans who were getting on Siakam, welcome to the club. Uh, I, I hope that the karma you now face uh, <laughs> tastes so sweet because it, it's, it's definitely nice to see that from a perspective now. It's been really refreshing. It's been a while since Raptors haven't been in the playoffs. It's a little bit refreshing to have that outside perspective of these series. Um, and not have a vested interest because you get to consume more basketball as a whole and get to see these other guys take their lumps. And, and like, especially I know the Clippers won and we'll get there, but fun to get on them as well. Yeah, it's a great point. And all the more respect to the players who are consistently putting up 30 plus every night in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that Jason Tatum is one of those guys, and he had an incredible 50-point performance in Game 3. He is now the only player in NBA history to score 50 in the regular season, play-in tournament, and the playoffs in the same season. Of course, it's the first season of the play-in tournament, so it's a little bit of a skewed stat, but feels like something that could sit for a long time just based on 
how difficult 50 points is to get in a playoff game when it is designed to slow down and target the lead, the scoring leaders on both teams, but Tatum really showing out. I think the Celtics are down last I checked now, um, but that's a big one for them to at least get a moral victory out of the season, say that they took one from the Nets, push them a little bit. Um, they're not going down without a fight. So respect to the Celtics for that. And Tatum has shown himself to looks like he is a bit of a class above the Adebayo, Randall, Siakam category, where you can throw your best looks at him and he can still perform. And it's it's truly the shot making difference. Those other guys don't have consistent shots, and Tatum has like everything in his bag with with shot making, and that's what separates him from that group. Yeah, I. It's a shame for the Celtics they have to go up against this Nets team because I think against a maybe less offensively gifted and consistent team, Tatum could maybe help steal steal a series, but you saw it last year against the Raps. Just, yeah, he's a very special player and the sort of guy that a team can ride or die on. Definitely. Another guy that teams can ride or die on, uh, two of them in this next series, Jokic versus Damian Lillard. And uh, the Portland Trailblazers absolutely thwomp the uh, Nuggets in game four and even up their series heading back to Denver for game five. Uh, Both of those guys have consistently brought it. And it seems like it's really going to come down to, like I said in the the last pod, can Dame make those shots? And then what is Portland? Like, what are both teams getting from the role players? Because it looks like Jokic is showing up. Porter is going to score at least. Um, but then the Nuggets need more from Campazzo, from Gordon, from Austin Rivers, from Morris, right? And and the Portland Trailblazers need more from Norm, who gave him a great game four, and need more from Nurkic, who didn't foul out and use his size to bother Jokic at the very least he can bang with him at, at a similar weight class. Um, and the trailblazers, again, I, I thought this was a great matchup for them. That's why I picked them, but you could still see two more. I just, I don't know if we've re we've had one of those games where Jokic has completely like gone supernova. Obviously he puts up his stats, but we're still waiting on that game for him to really uh, dominate. And if he has one of those and then maybe gets a, bit from the role players in another game they can take two of the last three but it's this one's tight and i think it's going to go seven it's been a great series so far the other western series i guess as we'll uh we got two more west series to finish up with i'm not going to talk about philly washington it's like it is by far the most boring series out of them all uh utah memphis it was fun while it lasted grizzlies um but it just feels like this is a team with hunger and with some potential and lots of talent, but they haven't reached that next level yet of a playoff contender where you're getting consistent productive play from one through nine uh, on your team. And John Morant still hasn't reached that peak superstar status that they'll need him to be going forward. But besides that, like it, at this point, it's just the talent discrepancy that separates these two teams. The Grizzlies have been fighting, fighting, hanging in there, but then Utah's just been here and done it now. And Mitchell with some just 
big shots. Mike Conley was fantastic all night. Rudy Gobert is such a force just playing within the system, drawing guys in, opening up threes, and Bogdanovich, Ingles hitting, Clarkson hit some shots. Just too many guys who can create for Utah, and that's all the separation in this series is, is both teams are playing at such a high level with a lot of intensity, but then the shot making just makes it a five-point separation. And if you're Memphis, like as an eight seed, you take a game, you surprise the one seed on the, on the road. Um, it's a great learning experience for these guys uh, and definitely is something that they can take with them into this next game, game four. Uh, maybe they can take it, but it, it really looks tough for them now because Utah is really starting to get into a rhythm. Uh, but definitely a, an exciting team going forward. Um, Cause they missed out on it last year by when they lost to the Blazers in that play in game in the bubble. But now they have the playoff experience that they get to take with them going forward. And who knows, maybe they make a little bit more noise uh, for the jazz in the rest yeah, of the series. I, I was watching some of this game. I passed out before it finished, but when I was in, I think it was neck and neck and uh, the Grizzlies were actually up a couple points. Mm-hmm. Uh, my highlight of the weekend was Allen taking it to Gobert in the paint on a layup, like right before, right after hitting a three. That was an electric moment. Uh, but yeah, I wasn't shocked to wake up at 2 a.m. and see the Jazz had won in the last five, seven minutes. It would be hard to for your bench to continue that success against the starters. But if you're Utah, you've got to just be praying that the fight in this team dies soon because you're worried about uh, Mitchell and load management heading and hoping for a deeper run. Definitely. Yeah, it, it will be interesting. I, 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 after the fiasco that happened at the end of game one, where Mitchell said that he was pulled out and wanted to play, um, it will be, we will have to monitor that situation because if they are trying to keep him healthy, then Utah's yeah going to want to get this series over with quickly. The last series that we have here uh, has been flipped now a little bit with the Clippers getting a huge win on the road in Dallas in front of their fully packed arena. Uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, again, they've been great all series so far, but again, another great efficient scoring night. And then they finally get more from the role guys, Marcus Morris with three huge threes from the same corner late in the fourth quarter. And then one more from Reggie Jackson, uh, Rondo has been a little bit more disruptive and that's who they've gone with late to guard Luca, which again, really interesting, still weird that Kawhi hasn't been guarding him. But then at the same time, you get to have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard be the most disruptive help defenders maybe of all time as a one-two punch there. Like they just sit in those wings and guard the corner threes and then are able to use their wingspan to get in and disrupt Luca when he drives, but also be able to help in the corner. Um, So maybe that's a strategy that the Clippers are going with. And yeah, just the Clippers got more out of their role players in that series or in that game three, we'll see what happens tonight. Luca is fighting a bit of a shoulder injury. We saw he was getting some heat pack treatment um, in between when he was resting on the bench. Uh, And then the last thing is Dallas just needs more from Porzingis. He is their second high, or he is their highest paid player. I, I believe um, because Luca's still on his rookie deal 
and he is playing like Ryan Anderson after Ryan Anderson got injured. Like he, all he does right now is shoot. He's getting blown by on defense. He cannot get a rebound when he's in the post. He's getting stripped by guys who are half his size. It is just not good enough. And if he cannot turn things around, I, I don't know how they might, how they'd be able to trade him. I don't know if anyone wants to take that contract, but Dallas has got to start looking elsewhere for a, another star to put beside Luca because Porzingis has not been good enough and they really need him. Uh, and we'll see what happens tonight. So that goes through all of our playoff uh, series so far. I guess another storyline that's been underneath the playoff basketball that pertains more to us north of the border is the upcoming, of course, Olympic qualifier, and then what the Team Canada basketball looks like in 2024. Because uh, you look around the league, I highlighted some of these players going into the playoffs that were going to be exciting to watch. And it really is a team that's starting to come together and develop a deep level of talent and development. And I think they have a chance to make some noise, if not this year, um, at the next Olympics. So, Max, I'm going to go through here. And I'm going to name a bunch of NBA guys that uh, Team Canada has to choose from. You can only choose 15 out of their guards. You got RJ Barrett, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Jamal Murray, Corey Joseph as a veteran presence, Nikhil Alexander Walker from the Pelicans, and then Michael Mulder uh, from the Golden State Warriors. That's not including the endless number of Canadian talents in the European League. And then at wings, you've got Dylan Brooks, Lou Dort, Andrew Wiggins, and O'Shea Brissett, four really solid guys. Um, and all of them play a bit of defense, which is pretty cool. And then at the bigs, you've got Cam Birch, Chris Boucher, Ignis Brzezikis, Brandon Clark, Cabin Gelly, Trey Lyles, Kelly Olinick, Tristan Thompson, Dwight Powell, just like a ton of NBA options that you could use on this team. Uh, and that's a, I named way more than 15 guys there and they only have 15 to choose from. So it's really fascinating. And obviously not all of these guys will play for the team, but if you could get 10, 12 NBA guys to take to, to Tokyo this summer, or at least to the qualifier to get to Tokyo, then you got some, you got a chance to make some noise and at least build some chemistry between these guys so that we can run it back 2024. Looking forward to seeing what this roster ends up shaping up to be because there's a lot of talent here and uh, it's great for the future of Canadian basketball and, and giving some people to some role models to look up to. Yeah, it's the sport is definitely growing here in Canada, kind of hockey uh, halts and momentum. I think the Raptors championship within recent memory is only going to add to that. So the tipping point I feel like is when, Oh, this team is better, not worse than like your average NBA team. And we're getting close to there. It's a shame. No, uh, Shea or Murray this summer does. Those are probably the two biggest stars we have at this moment, but it's, it's not far-fetched to say that four years of development, maybe one or two hype prospects come up and could this be the number two team in the world? Mayhaps. Uh, international basketball, very different from NBA basketball. So I would, I would hesitate 
to go that far, but definitely the potential is there down the line to at least have maybe the second most athletic team in the world. All righty, that's it for basketball. We'll take a quick break. Uh, Max, you mentioned that the NBA and the Raptors championship run has caused a growth of popularity of basketball in Canada, but there's still a team out there with a chance to change things on the hockey side. And uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. And we're back at Sports Next Door. Before we get into the international world, we've got some NHL playoffs to do and might as well get it over with. Pay now or pay later. We have a painful game six to talk about as the Toronto Maple Leafs have now blown two opportunities to close out the series and will face the Habs tomorrow night in game seven, do or die. And uh, Owen, do you have any hope whatsoever? Hello once again, old friend. Game seven, taking me into his dark and twisted arms. Uh, feels like I'm heading back into the abyss. The demons are breathing right down my neck now uh, as they had crawled out of their hiding place earlier this week. Uh, I, <laughs> there's nowhere you can really go with this team that hasn't already been said or felt or experienced it's a team that back-to-back games now has looked terrible for 40 minutes or more and has proceeded to lift the spirits of its fan base with another thrilling comeback. The first overtime ended too quickly, but this one they dominated. And you could almost feel the, the fact that because everything was going so well that it was going to end for the other team, right? That's just how hockey goes. And that's sometimes the more frustrating part of hockey is that you can't have the better team take over in those situations. It's really luck of the draw. And the Leafs did not get a bounce off of an opposing player. The Canadians did. Koket Niemi with the shot that deflects off Bogosian. Travis Dermott, really solid all night and then loses his mind for one second, and that's it. And Muzzin's probably not in for game seven. I would be very surprised if he is, and I would appreciate his being a warrior, but also will he be the same version of Jake Muzzin that we have come to know and love? So the panic level is at an all-time high here, and I've almost, because of the stress and anxiety and panic, I've almost reached a level of bliss where it's just numbness now. (laughs) It's like I've exceeded the threshold of suffering. Yeah, I feel similarly. My TV actually went out right before the goal happened and I, I was like scrambling to get the TV back on, couldn't get it, whipped out my phone, pulled up the CBC sports app there, got it. And they're celebrating the Montreal goal. And I kind of just turned my phone off and didn't even cry. It, it's like, you're saying that was the best hockey they played all night in those 10 minutes of overtime. I think Montreal had maybe one shot and the Leafs were hammering, hammering, but like, fuck Carey Price just chooses his moments to play really really well and Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner have 
chosen a series to be relatively quiet compared to how their whole regular season went. And yeah, I've, I've come to a place of acceptance where I, I, I don't expect to win this game. I, I don't expect the voodoo to be lifted. I just expect to have my hopes given manifestation just so they can be crushed all the more thoroughly. The Leafs would have to be up by at least six goals for me to have any sense of like, all right, we got this. Yeah, no fans in the building for game seven. Um, I don't know if that honestly would help or hinder them to have fans there. It almost feels like the anxiety would get to the players. So maybe not playing in front of the fans would will give them a boost. But at the same time, we said that last year when they played Columbus and we know how that went. This is a different team. It has felt like a different team. And, and there are no moral victories ever in the playoffs, but they have come back and it's truly, they're just missing one thing to break through that barrier. One moment that could completely change everything. And they just have continued to not get it. And they have another opportunity now to face game seven, look at dead in the eyes. Um, they're on the, the, another new situation because they have been up 3-2. They have been down 3-1 a couple of times, but they have never been up 3-1. And they're back. And they are the better team still. But is that what is going to be the outcome? Who knows? And so we will strap ourselves down. And I need one of those machines that just peels your eyes back and holds you in place. And maybe like something to just muffle so I cannot speak or make noises and just sit there and like it's torture but you have to do it and at this point my body is ready I just don't know if my mind is yeah I I feel like I can't be surprised at this point but I'm sure there's still plenty left in the bag there can't be though they're like they found so many different ways it's I don't know, man. I don't know. The only solace I can take is that somehow I was right about the other series so far. I think I picked it perfectly, except for the uh, Oilers. And feel good about that, but I would throw it all away in a heartbeat. (laughs) So let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, We've got Vegas, Colorado starting tonight. The series that I have been waiting for all year. And we've said that many times. And we've already made our picks. So we don't need to make picks because we picked who we thought was coming out of each division. I guess, Max, you can... Did you pick the Bruins coming out of the East? No, I, I got both in the East wrong. So you can you can repick that one. Um, but I have Colorado in this one. Vegas is banged up. And Colorado's had a week to rest, essentially. Um, there could be some rust factor here, but I think this is this is the team to beat now. And Vegas is about to hit a steam train, and we'll see. Vegas obviously could muck things up, play a little slower pace, uh, try and play physically, but I just Colorado seems so, so good, and I cannot wait to watch Nathan McKinnon tonight. It's going to be a great one. Yeah, I mean... 
Minnesota a much tougher test than St. Louis based on how the regular season went. But uh, Vegas really struggled offensively. And between the two, I'd say Vegas is maybe slightly the better defensive team. But Colorado is far better the offensive team. And I think Colorado is also probably goaltending defense at least if almost certainly stronger than Minnesota's so a team that's struggled to score they're really gonna have to shut down Colorado and keep it tight but uh, it's gonna be a much tougher task than doing that to Minnesota and they're gonna have to get their own offense going against a better defensive team so I had picked Vegas a week a week and a half ago but it's certainly gonna be uphill my Bruins pick is off to a good start. Um, unfortunately for me, this is the pure hate watch series, as I've already mentioned. Uh, the Bruins taking game one against the Islanders, and I don't know if anyone even knew the second round had started because it seems like a lot of eyeballs have been placed on this uh, Canadian series. The Bruins are in a great spot, man. They It's it's an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, two different styles of hockey. Uh, two great coaches, two great systems, and Boston takes game one with their system winning out, and it's it's really the Islanders have to continue to pull rabbits out of hats to win their games because of the style of hockey that they play, and um, Boston is a team that can get in there and, and mix it up and shut shut you down and prevent you from scoring more than two goals in a game, so the Islanders might have to switch up the style just a little bit at certain times to try and open things up. But uh, yeah, it's like Colorado's got their line and Boston's got their line, the the Ratatouille line, perfection line, whatever you want to call it. And those guys are just super, super special. And this could be one of the last couple of runs we see from them. So as much as I hate the Bruins, I have to appreciate the level of play that these guys bring. And it's something that should be enjoyed while it, while it lasts. So consistently, too. I feel like the defensive shortcomings that got the Islanders past Pittsburgh are not going to be present whatsoever in Boston, but we'll see how this series shapes out. Very early, very early. And uh, when it goes back to Long Island, you will know that that place will be bumping because it is the last season in that arena. And uh, from what I've heard and seen, it, it looks like the this the noise just bounced right off the low roof and onto the ice and it gets loud in there and with things opening back up that could be the boost that the islanders need but still game two to get through in boston and then the last series here uh my lightning or my carolina pick sorry off to a slow start with the uh, tampa bay lightning taking game one today uh Again, it, this is another great, great series, a battle between two utterly complete and competitive teams. And the difference in this series, I picked Carolina because I thought that Tampa would really leave the Florida series with a couple of black eyes. And But it, it seems like the talent is just still overwhelming to a Tampa team that has now been through it many times. And the goaltending difference is pretty big. Vasilevsky is just objectively the better goaltender uh, over Nedeljkovic. So we'll see how this series goes, but it's a good start for the Lightning. Yeah, the Lightning seem like a team that can just might just quietly sneak into the Stanley Cup finals. 
poised for a back-to-back like not ever playing more than six in a series and we'll see what the narrative is when they get there but I like them to win this series and the east and based on that with the cup I I still find it so hilarious uh, that Nikita Kucherov's season is just starting now that Steven Stamkos is coming in after a month this team is just ridiculous and such a product of excellent scouting and drafting definitely the the gold standard to look up to and carolina's done its best to imitate that style um a lot of similarities with the skill up front and then the absolute studs at the back end headman and and jacob slavin um and i think that just the difference is the goaltending and i think nudelkovich can really get there but for now it's it's a difference of playoff experience and just the reps and Vasilevsky's been there. Well, I guess Max, the last thing is, do you want to pick a, a Bruins Islanders Victor? And then we will move on to the other sports we got left. Yeah. I like the Bruins for that, for the reasons I outlined earlier. I, I think Pittsburgh with uh, flurry or the Murray of old would have gotten by the Islanders and Rask is more than up to that. And just the style of play the Bruins bring is also good enough defensively that the Islanders won't find that easy offense. And Bruins also have shown their ability to score more than enough. So I like Boston. So there you have it. Uh, picks are still intact and we will move on and enjoy the second round of playoff hockey. But for now, we'll take a quick break uh, and come back and talk some other sports. And we're back, Sports Next Door, to talk a little bit of baseball. The Blue Jays choke away an opportunity today in the second game of a doubleheader. Uh, was looking great for them to sweep the Cleveland baseball team. Got a great start from Stripling earlier today, and then another great start from Mats and Tyler Chatwood, who looked injured. Don't know why he was in to close this game. Walks five batters in the bottom of the seventh, and the Blue Jays just let it get away after a really, really solid series. And, and that's a huge bummer for a team that has to chase the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Rays, who seemingly continue to win, although not the Yankees. They got swept by the Tigers, which is wild. But Rays and Red Sox, two best records in baseball now, I think. They're just on absolute roll. Um, the Yankees are set to play both of those teams this week, so there could be an opportunity for the Jays to make up a little bit of ground. But... Uh, the top teams of this AL East, man, they are juggernauts. And the Jays are a great team with a decent amount of depth. Um, and they're struggling to keep up in this division. And, and today, days like today won't help splitting the doubleheader. Uh, Lourdes Scuriel has been on fire. He's been great. Teoscar Hernandez, Marcus Simeon have really been hitting well. Panic had a great uh, game two nights ago replacing Biggio had four hits in that game and uh, stripling I already mentioned has been really, really solid for the Jays, but they just need to put it all together. They're a team that when they lose, it's by one run by two runs. Like it's really tight. You're not getting blown out of these games. And when you look back at the end of their season, there's so many winnable games that they should have had, which is great in terms of process, but it's now you got to get results. Now you got to squeak out those wins and uh, the bullpen's just got to settle it down, get it done, because the starting pitching's been great. And then the offense needs to show up even more consistently uh, than it already has been. And, and they've been showing positive signs, but 
they need to grab a couple more of these games on the road before they move to Buffalo, where they will make their new home uh, away from Florida for the rest of the summer, probably. Unless things open back up here. You never know. Uh, we'll move over to the football fan cave for our Champions League final that happened yesterday. Chelsea winning it. Um, really, really solid tactical performance. It was a battle of two different management styles between Pep Guardiola and, uh, and Teuchel, Thomas Teuchel. And Teuchel in the end wins. And he is a young manager who's already had a ton of success in uh, Champions League. Um, and he has beat all of the top coaches on the other side and has looked really great. And Chelsea, this is a huge, huge win for them because they struggled down the stretch of the Premier League, but get a big win. Obviously, this one is probably the most important one from a club perspective. I'm not, I can't say that for certain, but it definitely feels like it because it is the best of the best. And uh, the big story of that was even though Man City maybe could have been seen as the team that's favored, uh, Chelsea played great tactically uh, with a ton of heart. And the superstar of this game's got to be N'Golo Kante. He was everywhere making tackles. It, Man City just seemed anytime they were on his half of the field, nothing was going for them. Um, he was all over the place. And yeah, just wanted to shout out a great performance from him. And yeah, ups to Chelsea. It was obviously a, a hate watch game, two very rich clubs uh, from England, but in the end, it's, it's great football and uh, a very good result for Chelsea fans out there. And, and if you're Man City, once again, you come up blank in the Champions League, uh, long awaited, even though you have the Premier League title, this is, this is one that keeps getting away from you. So I guess you just try and scrape it back together and make a run at it next year. Uh, but the voodoo still there for them. They've been waiting a long time. That's it from me. I guess, Max, you got some uh, tennis talk lined up for us here now. The, yeah, a couple. Uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, a couple of quick hits on the men's side first. The I talked last episode about how uh, the half of the draw without the big three is going to be really interesting. Plenty of like competitively ranked players but i feel like there's room for a dark horse to emerge and uh the way the first day has gone kind of bears that out taim upset loss out already uh don't have much on that one zverev very close call today he lost his first two games uh six three and six three he he rallied hard and strong he took the next two six two and then took the last one six nothing just had the endurance the poise the composure to hang in there not get ruffled and just play consistent solid tennis and when he started making his shots and getting his reads that was kind of it rather quickly but you don't want to be playing uh, three-hour, five-set games this soon into the tournament. So if you're a Zverev fan, you've got to be hoping he manages to get through his next couple rather quickly to rest up from today. Although once he did get into it, I think uh, his workload went way down. He was killing the serves, the serve returns. Uh, probably not too much work expanded in that fifth and final set. And then on the women's Canadian side, we have some great news as Leila Annie Fernandez 
takes wins the first round, moving on to the second in strong, very dominant fashion. I think six two and six one. I caught the last couple games of that, and she looked phenomenal on her just strength, season control, the rallies. And I think I heard something like she's won nine of the 10 matches she's ever played at Roland Garros. So who knows? Uh, Felix and Bianca playing tomorrow. I think Bianca at 7 a.m. So realistically before anyone's listened to this podcast, but uh, I'll, I'm hoping to wake up for it and enjoy that one. Absolutely. Uh, and then our man Milos pulling out very early uh, yesterday, uh, last moment. He has now not played in the last four years at the French Open. Um, and obviously not his strongest element playing on clay, but a bummer that he hasn't had the opportunity to play at this great tournament. And so wishing the best for him to uh, recover, figure things out and be back ready for uh, for grass and for Wimbledon, which is where he really, his strengths lie. And um, looking forward to seeing him maybe trying to hop back into the top 10 because he's had a couple great runs in the past during the summer. And I'm looking forward to see him play. Please don't get on Djokovic's half of the draw. Yeah, that would, eh, I could see him beating him. Although that's <laughs> hasn't really happened 15 before. times the charm. Yeah, right. Hey, it's got to happen at some point, right? Well, I hope so, but we will be waiting with bated breath. Until then, I think that wraps up the show. If you've got anything left. Nothing left, but pray for our sanity tomorrow night. Uh, It's going to be a ride and enjoy the basketball game tonight. Um, Generally, for just the memes and the general attitude of the NBA Twitter, I hope that the Mavericks win because that would be great. Uh, but it will be a great basketball game, and hopefully Luca's healthy enough to, to play to his full potential. And then, yeah, just keep enjoying the sports. Enjoy the weather. It's getting so much nicer out there. Uh, things are starting to open up as soon as this week, I believe, uh, the stay-at-home order is lifting in Ontario on Wednesday. Super excited about that. Cannot wait to go to a patio and see other living human beings on a consistent basis. Uh, but until then, Max, I will leave it to you. Yeah, I, I don't think all the Leafs have anything left in the bag to disappoint me so bad I'd kill myself and this will be the last episode, but you never know. Uh, Pray for us. Sports Next Door signing out.